Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hola amigos, this is Ray Hudson from B in Sports and Sirius XMFC, and you are listening to Barça Talk. Today on Barça Talk, FC Barcelona headed to the north of Spain, where they drew with Deportivo Alaves. Barça started slow as Alaves scored first on a sloppy play by the defense, and Antoine Griezmann scored the equalizer on a nice chip goal. How would you rate Koeman's start so far? How can we strengthen our defense? Hello, everyone. Welcome to Barca Talk, part of the Blogronogram Podcast Network. I'm Gabriel Quiroga in Madrid, and joining me today from the UK is Craig McGough. Craig, how are you doing, buddy? Surviving? Good. Out of hospital. <laughs> Just ate a full bag of Haribo. All is good, right? With Harry yeah. Um Yeah, we were supposed to record on on, on Thursday. You, you had a, a bit of a medical thing, and I'm mm. glad to hear that you're feeling better. More importantly, because... You know, I feel that, you know, we have a lot to discuss in today's episode, especially with just the inconsistency that we're we're seeing with this Barca team. But before we get into that match review, there was a interesting article that came out today in El Pais, which was a sit down of Vincente Lobosque, obviously the former Real Madrid and national team coach talking with Kiki Setien. And this is kind of the first time that Setien had spoke about Barca in kind of a loose conversation and it was pretty good i saw the video and i read it and i wanted to kind of discuss it because you know now we kind of get the point of view of setian after this fallout and you know i have some points that i want to talk about but uh obviously you read it and, and saw it what was you know one of the first things that you know came to your attention or something that you thought or maybe something you learned about uh from setian about this fallout for barcelona yeah i think uh, for me the one that jumps out is the one you know, we, we obviously work through a, a bit of a skeleton of the of the show. And, it, and it's point number one that you've got on the skeleton document in front of us, which says that, you know, it's, it's hard to tell Messi what to do. And that's crazy. That is crazy. I mean, obviously, we'll, we'll delve a little bit deeper into that. But that jumped out to me like a very stinky, very hard ton of bricks, to be honest. How about you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it's two things. Uh, that, you know, basically, you know, it's always dealing with that ultra, ultra superstar and that very fine, delicate balance that there is. You know, I mean, I'm, you know, when we're talking about Ronaldo, Jordan, like these type of, you know, one percent uh, superstar athletes. And the other thing, too, is that he knew that he was fired before the the Bayern game. And so it didn't matter what happened. He had already heard or learned that he was going to be fired. But I mean, there's there's definitely some nuggets. So let's break down the first thing about the can't tell Messi what to do. And what, what he meant by that was that he was saying, you know, he has the most respect for Messi. He thinks he's one of the best of all time. And he's he said he's been so successful. What can I tell him to improve or to do things? And I feel that's kind of not the best attitude to have towards this to kind of have white gloves with Messi. 
And mm. it's, it was apparent, you know, obviously under Setien's uh, reign with Messi. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Let's, let's say it for what it is. This is, a, this is an adult employed to lead people saying that he couldn't lead a particular one of them. I, I don't buy it. I think, you know, we, we've all read, I'm sure, and we've all heard from people saying, you know, if, if Messi, you know, don't sub Messi, he'll get angry. Don't do this, don't do that. And I, I think you, you've got to look at this in context and say, if this was, you know, prime 28-year-old Messi, playing well, scoring 50 goals a season. Okay. Setien never had that. He never had prime Messi. He had an aging Messi, seemingly between positions. And he had, more importantly, the captain of the club. Now, I'm sorry, not all this is going to be on Setien, but your job, Kike, is to manage that man. Your job is to tell him what to do. And if you won't do it, bench him. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree. The other thing, too, is, you know, we've seen this with the past, you know, five coaches, essentially. I mean, you take Lucho out of it, maybe. And everyone has been very kind of scared and hands off with Messi to tell him to sum him off, mm-hmm. just like you said. And I think that's part of the problem now because, you know, we're going to talk about this in the match review as well, but just his positioning now. And also, you know, why does he always have to play 90 minutes all the time? I mean, he's older. Mm-hmm. We can rest him, take him five minutes at a time. Now, the other thing, too, that, that Setien mentioned was that he didn't have full control. Obviously, that was from anyone could see that that was completely obvious mm-hmm. that he felt that he didn't have, you know, obviously full personnel control and also to, as he would say, express himself fully with the team. And again, this is part of the reason why obviously the board was voted out. But again, it's kind of one of those things. What do you, what did you expect Setien to do in a, basically a three month stint as the Barca head coach? I mean, for me, I take his point. This one, I give him a little bit more credit for than the Messi one. But even still, if your style of play, you've, you've built your entire career on playing a, style, a, type, a style of football, a type of football, and you come in and you nail your colours to the mass like he did. I'm Cruyffista. I will, you know, this is all I've ever done. It's all I've ever known. This is a dream for me. And then you go and play a variation of what he did. Then I've got no sympathy for you. If he'd, yeah. have, if he'd have got beat playing the style of football that he said he would play, everyone would back him. You know, we, we, we fall into two camps, really, don't we? We've had this discussion before. People who just want to win and people who just want to play well. And then you've got a very small section in the middle that want to do both. And we fall mm. one side of the one side of the, side of the coin or the other. If he'd have gone down in flames, but playing, you know, 4-3-3, keeping the ball on the deck, he'd have been all right. But I just I just think he was caught between several, several different ideas. And I think the job was too big for him in, in hindsight. And I wonder if when he says he was, can, he was handcuffed, Really, what he meant is that he'd never dealt with players at that level before, and they just walked all over him, and he felt handcuffed because he didn't know how to deal with them. I wonder, yeah, you know, maybe, maybe that's the issue. And if you, if you remember, if you ever listen to any of Mourinho's conversations around around his early career, he said, you know, I struggled because I was a no one in football. He played like Portuguese seventeenth division football in goal or whatever, and he had to basically rely on. Well, I've worked at this club as a translator or assistant. I've worked at this club. And, and it wasn't until he won trophies that he became respected. Sure. And may, maybe Setien had a bit of that. And I don't think he was handcuffed institutionally. I think he was handcuffed um, in terms of his ability, technically, effectively. You know, you, you get this opportunity to be the coach at Barca. If it, this was me, I would have just gone guns blazing. My style or the highway. You know, I want to be, I want to feel like I did absolutely everything in my power to try to do that, you know. And he also pointed out in the article, too, that, you know, he said, you know, we were right there for the La Liga title and right there for champions. So that's the other thing, too, is kind of 
not having that ability to look outside the bubble, right? Because like, mm. yes, they were there for La Liga, but they were struggling on so many facets and it led up to that 8-2 defeat against Bayern. And yeah. again, I, you know, again, I don't really have that much sympathy for him, but again, it just like you pointed out with Mourinho, you just, sometimes you just really need a stricter or hard personality to manage these players, especially players who have been to the club for more than six years that are quite comfortable that we have yeah. right now yeah. in the locker room. The last thing that po- that pointed out to me was the Sarabi issue. Obviously, you know, we saw on video when Sarabia was, you know, over animated with plays and, and so forth and showing the passion. You know, in the article, he said he mentioned that the players had no problem with his attitude and they were fine with it. But again, you know, from the different videos you've seen with body language, it, it didn't seem as that that was one of the issues. And again, I I just think Setien was too nice. You know, ultimately, just like you said, just overall, just too nice and didn't know how to manage these top, top level players at Barca. Do you know when you go to like a, an all you can eat buffet when you're hungry and you, yeah. and you think and you're like, right, this is going to be amazing. I'm going to get a plate full of chicken, a plate full of curry, a plate full of rice, a plate full of noodles. And, you, and then you realize that you've filled yourself up on crackers. And you, yeah, it, it felt <laughs> to me a bit like, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> it felt like it, Setien's plan was to go in there and he'd got his, you know, he, he was a hungry man in, in, in an all-you-can-eat buffet. He was at the job of his dreams, all of this talent in front of him. And he just had, it felt like he had no plan and he just ruined it by just getting the first thing he found and, and going for it. I would say that the, the second one is, you know, things like getting involved in the rondos in training. He looked like a competition winner at times when you saw the YouTube videos. It was like, <laughs> listen, mate, like you're meant to have some, you're meant to have some respect from these players. And here you are in sure. the rondo getting megged off Carlos Perez. Like, stop it. Have some respect for yourself. Have some respect for the role you're in and manage these people. Stop acting like you're on work experience there. Like, and I think he didn't, he didn't, he didn't help himself. And he, he, my, in my, in my opinion, he, he acted at times like we would, if we were there, but we aren't professional football managers. Sure. Well, that was the first thing. And the secondly, on, on the Sarabia thing, when he was saying people had no issue with the players, I explained his role. I don't believe for one second people like, Gerard Piquet wasn't going home and crying at night because Sarabia told him he wasn't running hard enough. But it, yeah. it, it, it did seem to me like they were, again, similar to Setien maybe, that they were looking at him saying, we don't know who you are and here you are telling me to run. Just shut up. Like, I don't yeah. think they were upset, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was memes going around in the players' WhatsApp chat around him. Like, who's this fella? <laughs> you know, and I just think, again, if you're going to go in and you're going to shout at these guys, and you're dragging them to win a treble, okay? If you're going to go and shout at these guys and you're dragging them to go and scrape a win against Betis, then it's not going to go as well, is it? So I just think it was, the whole thing was a well-intentioned, but ultimately just a recipe for disaster. And I think if you're Setien, I don't I don't wish him any ill. I'm assuming, yeah. you know, if he came back to Camp Nou, I'd like to think he would get a respectful round of applause. But sympathy, not for me. No. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't have sympathy either. I love it. Like, you know, for example, if I were the coach, I would definitely join in the Rondo right now because you know, I'm not a professional and I would just, it would be like fantasy camp, you know, like you just yeah. go in there and just go, Hey, I'm going to do the, you know, that, you that's t- a great t- point t- because t- I forgot t- about that. Yeah. You, you, you would go in, you would join in the Rondos, you would get some selfies, you would take loads of merch home with you and you get fired, <laughs> you get fired, fired after six games and it would be yeah. basically the same as Setien. The difference is right. we, we wouldn't go in there in order to win trophies. And I just, I get it, but I just think let's, you know, for his sake, move on. Don't harbor any regrets. You did what you did. You managed the club of your dreams. Good luck. Good luck when you go back to Segunda B and manage a team there. Cause that's your level, you know? 
Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Again, I, you know, with with all what's happening with 2020, the setting area just feels a long time ago already. And I, it's like, I can't really remember any of the highlights because it was so interrupted with the pandemic and so forth. You know, it feels like he was the coach three years ago. You know, when I was, when I was watching the video, I was like, man, like I, I, you know, especially with the new season starting and just kind of like, there wasn't really any highlights of the setting area, you know, you know, like obviously the first day when he was having Ricky Puig at practice, we were all excited, but that never came to fruition, you know? And yeah. so those are the things. And I just, you know, unfortunately, you know, the whole last season was such a debacle yeah. with how many banners we had and everything. So exactly. And, you know, and I, I guess to kind of put a pin in it, if you're, if you're a manager going into managing an elite club, you've got to do one of two things, or you've got to bring one of two things. In my opinion, you've got to bring either an absolutely a grade top of the level elite ability to either instill football incompetence into people or manage leaders, uh, sorry, manage men, be a leader of men. You've got to do either that, or you've got to bring a reputation as a player that people listen to you because they used to have their posters on the wall of you, right? Ronald Koeman. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming we're going to talk lots about Ronald Koeman in the show, but if, if Ronald Koeman walks into Camp Nou and can say to every single one of those players, shut up and listen to me because I'm Ronald Koeman. doesn't matter whether he's tactically right or whether he's psychologically right, he's Ronald Koeman. Pep is the same. Uh, Andrea Pilo will be the same at Juve. You've got, you know, these players. If you're neither, which Setien is, he's destined to fail, isn't he? And I think that's the one thing I would give Bartomeu credit for. Two things. Number one, bringing Luis Enrique back. But the two things, one, and the second one, we're bringing Koeman in. Because whether this, whether this fails or not, this Koeman project, at least he identified one of the biggest problems that we had with Setien, which is that no one in the dressing room respected him. And if Kuma goes down in flames, it won't be because of that. At least they've responded to that. And I think that's that's the one positive we can take from Setien. I think it's shown us that what we can't have is someone who doesn't fall into one of them two brackets come in and just run with it. I think people mistake people mistake how important it was that Pep, the former player, was in there rather than Pep, the inexperienced manager. Sure. Xavi will get away with it a little bit if he comes back. If PK, if Puyol, if basically any of that 2008-9 team come back, they'll at least have a head start. What you couldn't do is bring someone like, uh, let's have a look, let's who have we had. Could you bring back Dmitry Orchagrinsky to Camp Nou as a manager? No, and that's basically what <laughs> and, that, and, and that's basically what Kike Setien is. He's a, he's, a, he's a professional footballer who experienced a little bit of the right ideas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just it's it's laughable isn't it really yeah, yeah i was curious to see which name you were going to pull out and that was excellent <laughs> i have to say <laughs> <laughs> oh man i was going to say douglas you know but you you beat me to that one you yeah know, great yeah great shout <laughs> that, that was good that was good well um yeah so i, I mean again check it out in el pais it's pretty interesting um just to see the interaction you know it's one of those things is when i first heard about this morning just to kind of close this off you know del bosque for me is not the most engaging interview of all time and then him interviewing someone just right off the top i was like oh this is going to be awful but it wasn't too bad because obviously del bosque just really asked basic questions that let's setting likes to talk and he was able to talk and give some good answers and obviously just to get another point of view of what was going on now before we get into the match review of alaves i just want to give us a quick message about the blood grand podcast network 
The Blog Underground Podcast Network has two other shows in its network dedicated to FC Barcelona. The Driven Shot, hosted by Omar Awish, is a fan interaction show about FC Barcelona. So you can definitely check that out on Mondays. If you want to hear in-depth analysis in Spanish about FC Barcelona, join Alejandro Villegas and Mariana Guzman on the ADN Barca show. If you want more audio and video content from our combined team, then think about joining our Patreon community and help support our growing podcast network. Click on the link in the show notes to become a patron today. After the break, we review another sluggish performance by Barca in the north of Spain. All right, Craig, let's get into this. We have some talking points that I've been thinking about going into this match from the whole week and so forth. Uh, Barca traveled to the north of Spain to País Vasco to the Menizorosa Stadium, and they got a 1-1 tie. Let's go over through the lineup first, and then I have some questions, and I want to kind of hit some key stats along the way. So obviously the lineup was Neto in goal, Alba, Langley, Piquet, Roberto, Dijon, Busquets in the double pivot, Dembele, Griezmann, Messi, and Fati. So on paper, you know, I looked at it, and the only thing I, that keeps screaming out to me this season, Craig, is Sergio Busquets. That's the first thing that always is screaming out to me. Again, he was a starter, and we saw the performance against Juve when he did not start, and we did definitely see a different tempo in the midfield. And Busquets starts, and we go back into inconsistencies in the defense and giving counters to Alaves left and right. Yeah, it's it was a strange one, wasn't it? The two things that jumped up to me, exactly that one, Busquets starting. And for the first time, because we spoke about him a lot, I looked at Dembele starting and I had a bit of a, oh, again, okay, here we go. <laughs> Despite the gold midweek, and it's interesting, and, and it, it was noticeable, and I wanted to, to kind of mention that. It was the first time I've had that where I've thought, oh, God, about Dembele. But yeah, Busquets... The only thing I can think of is that Ronald Koeman understands that he's dealing with a legend of the club. Busquets will be historic. We've said this before. Nothing he does, literally nothing he does this year, unless he pulls out his shirt and underneath it, he's got a Madrid shirt on. Nothing he does this, (laughs) nothing he does this season will diminish what he's given to this club. Correct. Correct. Surely what he's doing is just giving enough rope for Busquets to hang himself so that he can sit down with him. There's an international break coming up and maybe that's the point where he sits down with him and shows him eight games worth of footage and just says, Buzzy, what do you want me to do here, son? What do you want me to do? And at that point, you can't argue with him. If he'd have come in and dropped him after two games, I would have agreed. You would have agreed. Who knows what the players that have played with this guy for 10 years would have thought. And I think now the sheer weight of bad footage is against him. And if you yeah. know, NFL team room style, he'd be saying yeah. to him, why do you deserve the reps now? And I think, I, I hope, I think, I hope more, I think that that's <laughs> where we are with it now. And this performance, I think it has to be the nail in the coffin for him being a starter. I don't, I don't think all is lost. I think he can come on and he can be that last 30 minute calm the game down if we're leading he can't start a game anymore yeah i mean this ha- i mean you know this happens to the best of all athletes right and the thing is is there hasn't been a coach to manage his minutes in the last two years i mean you think about it he's played every match since 2008 2009 essentially you know mm-hmm. including international breaks and all those minutes adds up it's almost adding a year and a half of games essentially you know with all those yeah. minutes that he's played and in that position, especially in that four-three-three, that he was, you know, he was running a lot and so forth. So it's natural to see the decline. Now, I still think he has value, obviously coming mm-hmm. in the second half, as you mentioned. But I, I think that the thing that I'm 
really seen is I thought for sure, you know, especially if you don't have motors in the midfield that can run all day, the 4-2-3-1 is supposed to help with those double pivots to do half the field and to be defensively responsible. Yep. And I just don't see it with Busquets, you know? And to me, I feel like the 4-2-3-1 is such a basic formation, right? I mean, comparing to like the 4-3-3, what he had to do before, I think that it's super easy. But again, he just gets caught up all the time. He still doesn't have that connection with Dijon where they can kind of fluidly use each other with triangles mm-hmm. and so forth. And so, again, we saw the difference with Pjanic. I know Pjanic didn't have the greatest performance on Wednesday night against Juventus. But his speed is noticeably better than Busquets. And that's one thing that we need to have on there, especially when we're playing top tier teams, you know? Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I was having a debate with my friend midweek and he said we were going back and forward on Busquets. He's, he's, he's a, you know, he's, he's a, a very long standing, very loyal Barca fan. And he was saying, but I, I think the system is letting Busquets down, not the other way around. And I said, you may be, you may mm. be exactly right, but the system isn't changing. Yeah, Busquets isn't good enough for us now in his career. Certainly, he's not good enough to change an entire system for him. So, yeah, it it might be the case that the system is failing Busquets. But ultimately, if the system is the system, Busquets needs to be out. Needs to be out of it as a as a starting point of that system. So, I think you know at that point, it's semantics really. But ultimately, yeah, yeah. he can't he can't do it. And and you're right. This the, the the double pivot should be one of the easier roles to play in terms of your brain power needed. You exactly. basically co- you, you cover you cover that third of the pitch and you move laterally as you need to move. You, you, you exactly. don't have to do anything drastic. You're not a fullback who needs to understand at what point you go, what point you stay back. You're you're covering a very defined area, and for me, it's he's getting sloppier on the ball. That's noticeable. The big worry for me is that he doesn't track runs, and ultimately, yeah. if you're if you're PK and Longley. Your your remit, your assignment has changed completely by having the double pivot in there. And if you if they're not tracking that run, that's not their responsibility. And by the time we realise, as we saw in the Classico, the job's done. The, the opposition will score. And I just think it's a shame to see where we are with Busquets. The biggest shame would be that we do this for a season and it gets to the point where he's booed when he comes on. Because I don't think we're I don't yeah, think we're yeah. if there was fans in the stadium, I think he would be getting a pretty hard time right now. And that wouldn't be fair. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. And again, like you said, like when I also think of the four, two, three, one, everything's in front of you, you know, and, and the mm-hmm. idea that he keeps getting caught up, you know, all the time and not making those attacking passes, you know, through balls and dangerous things. That's why I want to give more opportunities to Pjanic, you know, because I think mm-hmm. Pjanic can give us a little bit more, maybe that 10% difference, but that is a major difference right now, especially in the 60th, 70th minute, you know, where Busquets is definitely tailing off. Yeah. Now the other, I was reading an article today about the, you know, about the starting lineup and so forth. And again, the Jordi Alba conundrum now, right? Because I feel like Jordi Alba is becoming a one-trick pony, right? Where he he's not defending strongly, right? I mean, he was never the strongest defender, but you lived with, obviously, his attacking prowess and what he was able to do on the wing. But now, you know, all he does is look for Messi. He does go down the wing still, but he doesn't have that speed. And most importantly, Craig, he doesn't have the recovery speed to track back on defense. And on top of that, you know, he... For me, he's becoming annoying to watch play because I just feel like he just continues to do the same thing. And I just need him to adjust. But we don't have anyone else on the bench to really push him, right? Obviously, Dest. But we're going to talk about Sergio Roberto a little bit later. And that's the other issue. It's, you know, again, Kuman using Alba because Alba's been at the club for so long. And it's kind of, yeah, of course, you plug him in. But I, it's kind of like I would rather have Alba just focus more succinctly on helping the double pivot with passing and outlet and helping on defensive responsibilities before he goes up the wing. 
Yeah. And I, I've been quite vocal about this in the sense that I think, I don't think Jordi Alba is any worse defensively than he ever was. Cause I don't think he was ever very good, but what he was, was very fast. Um, and, you know, and generally he was, you know, he was scale electrics. He would run in a straight line and, and he would get back and he would, he would be okay. He was never a great defender, but you're right. We're losing a little bit of him going forward. Um, and we don't have him going backwards. And you start to question what what's the point of him? Because if yeah. the you know, if the pacey fullback is no longer pacey, he's just a fullback. <laughs> and as a fullback, is he good enough? Probably not. So yeah. I think again, Al Alba is Alba's position is in a bit of danger here. But going back to your point and going back to the wider point that we've raised a few times about personnel, who do we replace him with? And I actually yeah. sincerely I sincerely hope that Dest is our starting left back more than I hope he's our starting right back. And when you consider that he was signed for that right back position, ideally. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a shame with Jordi Alba. And I think Jordi Alba's time was always going to come, wasn't it? You know, sure, if, if, sure. If, if you live entirely on pace, I'll go back to Dembele. If yeah. you go back, if you, if you live entirely on pace, when the pace goes, you're in trouble. Uh, and yeah. I wonder, I wonder if Jordi Alba should maybe use have cut his losses in the summer got a big contract out somewhere else. Um, and just left. And just gone and got some money because I think he's starting to get shown up a little bit. Um, but yeah, who, the fact that we don't have a replacement, I mean, yeah. look at the deal that we struck with Hatafe for Kukurea. Now, I'm not saying Kukurea is a long-term answer, but <laughs> God, nice. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. Messi, Messi probably loses more money behind the sofa after a boozy night out. <laughs> than we've than, than we got from Hatafe for Kukurea. It's insane. So that that's got to be an area in January that the club looks to strengthen. I think it, it has to be. And you know, Kuman's not daft. He was a defender. He must look at Jordi Alba and yeah. think, I've got an, I've got an issue here. He must do. Please, God, yeah. please. <laughs> Again, I, I was talking with my friend today. It's like, you know, we watch this, you know, in live and we can kind of we see it. You know, we see yeah. the holes that's happening. And that's what's baffling to me is because, you know, they have the coaches tape. They can see different angles. And the fact that they're not tightening us because now essentially we have three holes on the field where defensively we're completely vulnerable. And I would say that's the messy area, you know, the very top, which trickles down to the Busquets area mm-hmm. and then to the Alba area. So those are like three Wait. holes that every team is exploiting. And that's where the, all the counters are happening and so forth. So can you can you imagine? Uh, can you imagine if we played Liverpool this year? <laughs> and, tre- and Trent Alexander-Arnold had to go up against Jordi Alba. I mean, that would be, yeah, that would be X-rated. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That would be a YouTube highlight reel of all time, mm. you know, just getting used all day. I mean, and and that's the thing. Like you said, a pacey fullback, those are the players. Like when you start to lose some of that talent or that speed, you have to adjust, right? You have to adjust in a skill to adapt to the game and be more relevant, right? And so, mm-hmm. like, I want to see... Alba just become a stronger defender. You know, I know he wasn't the strongest defender, but he can just focus a little bit more, understanding the passing, maybe being more of an outlet for Dijon and looking for those triangles because I see we're still lacking that, you know, in that passing game in the midfield. Next point I want to talk about is Kuman start. Now, obviously, eight points in six matches. We're 12th place in La Liga. We're off to the worst start since 2002-2003. I know... You know, we it's been a you know with the preseason he hasn't had you know we haven't had a complete preseason, you know obviously with all the turmoil with the board and the transfers and so forth. But I mean, 
Should we be concerned with this start, with how Kumin is managing the team? What is your prognosis like going forward? Like, what do you think? Are you are you patient enough or are you kind of already getting antsy and and wanting to pull out of the Kumin experiment? I think for me, and obviously we can't do this. If I could sit down in front of Ronald Koeman and ask him two questions now, he would tell me where I am with it. Number one, is Busquets going to start or not in the future? If he says, yes, I'm done, I'm out. I'm out. Okay. <laughs> if, 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 because it, 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 it's not going to work. That would, I would be worried. Yeah, yeah. And I guess the second one for me would be what the plans were in, in the January transfer market. I think that's, that, that, that's what I'd want to know. Without that, without the benefit of that, I kind of tell you where I am. I'm, I'm actually, I am very, very, very optimistic about the future of our club. I'm very excited. But I can't help but think that this season will be a write-off. Yeah. And I think this, I think this game showed the best and worst of where we are. I think it showed the first half that we were leggy and old in spots. And I think mm-hmm. you know we, there's, there's times where we've not looked as good, but I think we looked old in the first half against Tatafe in places. The start itself's not it's not great, obviously points-wise, yeah. mathematically we're not doing spectacular. People say the table doesn't lie. Well, sometimes at the start of the season it does, but eventually, <laughs> eventually it'll all even itself out, of course. Um, yeah. But I think if, if you look at where we are, short term for Kuman, do I like what he's done in, in terms of PR, how he's been speaking, how he conducts himself? I think I do. I think the uh, the interview where you know he was asked about Griezmann and he just said, mm-hmm. I'll decide. This person isn't happy. I don't care. I'm the manager. I'll make the decisions. I like that. Sure. We, need, we, we need that. I think the four-two-three-one. I think is a system that will work for us. I'm happy with that. Mm-hmm. Everyone will jump up and down and say you should be giving Ricky Pooj a chance, maybe. But if we look at let, let's swap the name Ricky Pooj for Pedri, and the fact that he's willing to give the youth a chance, I'm happy about that. And then if I look at the future of the club in terms of personnel, that second half against Alaves, it will get into in a bit more detail. The youth that we had on the pitch that were put, that were creating chances, we will never see a game as bad as that in terms of bad luck missing chances again in a long time. I I think there's a bit of a future there. If if we were able to take Busquets out now because we've got replacements for him, give Messi's head a shake and say, "Listen, son, you might want to go, but you've got another nine months left, sorted out." Yeah. And if we and if we can in January get a fullback from somewhere, I think the future is very 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 good. But Christ knows what the next six months brings. Where, where's your mind? I'm kind of mixed because I do like, for example, I do like some of the things that Kuman does. Like obviously the substitutions, um, you know, like how he made the adjustments at halftime, he pulled it out. But again, it's one of those things where he could have just used the second half lineup as the starting lineup and we could avoid that leggy first half, you know, like things like that. I don't know. I just, I just think that I want more vision with the youth. You know, I think that's where we, that's where our best performances are going to go. And I would rather live and die right now with, inconsistent youth performances than boring old veterans seeing, you know, the possession with no direction and no flair, you know, like for example, in the Juventus game, you know, everyone went crazy with Pedri's performance. Why? Right. Because he did three really nice one V one against Guadalajara and people got excited because we haven't seen that type of yeah creativity on the field, you know, and, and it's amazing how just, I mean, obviously they were great plays. Don't get me wrong. The, th- those three plays now, all of a sudden, it's like, yes, Petri should get more playing time. And I will, you know, it's funny because before the match with Juventus, I was kind of perplexed with Petri getting the starting lineup because of his performance in the Classico, right? Because mm-hmm. he was a non existent. But again, I, if we're going to pick one way or the other, I would just put my chips on the youth, go with that. Mm-hmm. And like you said, is Busquets going to play all the matches? Again, if he is, then 
then he's missing the boat. You know, go all in with the youth. I think that's everyone's going to be behind that more than playing all the old timers all the time, 90 minutes and continue to go on with that. So, sorry, I do wonder if that's where no, we are. I, I do wonder if that's where we are. I remember when we, we recorded a pod before the start of the season and uh, and you, you said, you know, what do you think Kuhn will do? And I said, I don't I don't think he can have an all out revolution right now. Cause I don't think I think there'll be too much pressure on him. And and the sure. names the names that we discussed were Alba and Busquets. And we said, if he just goes and drops them and it doesn't work, he's in all sorts of trouble because people will say, look what you you know, these guys are legends and you've shafted them again. And oh, my God, we would never treat players like this. Here we are again. Whereas I think what's happened now is that he's put himself in a position where I think if he drops them now, people applaud him for it. And I do wonder if behind the scenes, and we'll never know, but, you know, if, if we look at it, for anyone out there who manages a team in our normal jobs, I work in IT, and if you manage people sure. in, in, in my world, someone, you know, if someone goes and writes some bad code, you can't just sack them. Now, I know <laughs> football is a little bit different and people are, you know, you're played based on performance, but the principle is the same. If you've got someone that's been your best developer, your best bricklayer, your best nurse, your best doctor, and the the industry moves on. So let's go with IT as a good example. The, the technology moves on and what used to be your best, you know, green screen developer now can't do modern stuff. You've still got to give them a chance to perform. And I wonder if that's what Kuman's doing. He's a sensible guy. He's been here before. He's got enough about him mentally that he can make these calls. So I think maybe sure. that's what he's doing. He has to be looking at it, seeing Busquets be outperformed. He must know that. He must be seeing the youth come in and play well. And I can't help but think, this is why I'm optimistic, it's only a matter of time when this happens. The question will be what happens in that time. How far out the race are we? Where are we in the Champions League? And again, you said it at the start of the season. You've said it since. When Would you take finishing fourth this year to get a team of well, well-crafted well youth? Yes, so would I. And I think that second half performance against Alaves, and there might be listeners out there who are saying, we dropped a point, we dropped two points to Alaves. It's shocking. They had 10 men. Let's look at it the other way. We had a team in that second half where the average age was probably 21, 22, sure. I would guess. And we took a decent enough La Liga team and we should have won that game. And if that doesn't bode sure. well for the future, I don't know what does. We're a, we're a decent young fullback away from being a very good young team. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Again, I like you said, I just want to ride the youth. You know, that just gets me excited right now. I just want that change because that is going to give me the the optimism for the next you know four to five seasons, especially with this group. Like, if this group comes together, Dest, Pedri, Fati, Dembele, Trincao, you know, all these players come as a core. They're going to remember this season as the first season that are playing together and they can really build up and we can use that as our next class going forward. And that excites me a lot because, you know, they're all going to be around the same age. They're all super young. They're all not too expensive. Like these are all yeah. things that, that get me excited. Now let's get to the big conundrum question so far is the messy issue. Now I have here in the doc, should we be concerned with messy you know, obviously he came close to scoring in this match. Um, you know, again, I just have two questions for you, you know, on this one. Why does he continue to play every minute? I and I understand, like, I, I can see Kuman wants to ride the ultra superstar, but also Messi is older now. We don't have to have him play 80 minutes. Obviously in this, I'm not talking about this match. I'm just talking in general. Yeah. But the other thing too, Craig, is at this point, he has more yellow cards than goals with two yellow cards and one goal. So 
Should we be concerned? I think so. And again, it's an interesting moment, Messi, isn't it? Because we, you know, when we talk about concerns with players, often it's about things like, um, are they technically good enough? Are they mentally strong enough to play at that level? You know, whatever. And I think with Messi, we know the talent's there, obviously. He's still more than capable. He's the best friend in the world still. My my worry with him, it's where's his head at? Where's his head at? And who's his vendetta with? Because if it was just with the board, then surely we're done. If it's with Kuman, then we've got a year-long problem, not a four-game sure. problem, and there's some big decision. So I, I, I am concerned. I'm concerned that he looks. We've seen fired up Messi before, and it normally makes him mm-hmm. play well. I thought, I thought yesterday he played stupidly, and I can't remember the last time mm-hmm. I seen a performance from Messi where he done that. He was petulant. He was moody. He was making silly decisions. He was trying too hard and. Yeah, I, I, I think I don't think it'll happen, but I think a game on the bench wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if it was any other player. The question will be sure. potentially this goes back to the conversation we had about Setien at the start of the show. If you're Kuman, what do you do? And if it, you know, I would like to think that Kuman isn't scared of Messi because then we're in the same problem sure. as Setien was. But is it going to make it better? Is it, I don't know. So I think as fans, yeah, we've got a right to be concerned, but I'm not sure what the best way out of it is. But it's it's not. It's not pretty. I mean, I think it's definitely concerning. You know, the other thing too is that there, there's no other assists and also free kicks as well. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's one other thing, like if he was, you know, assisting and playmaking in that true number 10 and giving other people the goals, then I would say, you know, maybe I'm not as concerned because he's completely involved in the attacking. But, you know, one of my, you know, one of my main gripes that everyone knows is not playing enough on the right side. And I think it's almost the same thing now. Everyone has the playbook, middle, left, middle, left. And it's just every time, right? And yes, He's really great at going middle left. But now when you have three defenders and not just two because they know you're not going to go to the right, you clamp up that space. And Messi just doesn't have the shooting holes like he used to. We saw in the Classico when he did go right and he used Ramos, he had a clear scoring opportunity. Obviously, it was a great save by Courtois. But that's the other thing, you know, when especially in this match, the right side was underutilized. And when that happens... You know, obviously, the players may not have complete confidence in that belly because, like, as we spoke about, losing the ball often and so forth. But again, if we don't have that spacing, then Messi just can be controlled in the middle. And yeah. I think those are the things that needs to be worked out. It's a very fine line. Maybe if we go to the right side five times more. And this is also a problem. What I want to, we're going to talk about next is the Sergio Roberto problem on the right side as well. It's it's that whole right side, right? There's nothing scary about it right now. And all the teams are just bodily messy through the middle. So I am concerned because obviously, you know, usually he'll have a couple goals here and there, but also, you know, how do we unlock it? That that that's I'm more I'm more worried about that and how that's going to be addressed. I don't think we've had this conversation before. I don't think Sergio Roberto is a problem. I think Sergio Roberto without a decent left back is the problem. Mm. I, I think I think Sergio Roberto with with Sergino Dest on the pitch is a very good person to have because he's very diligent. He'll stick to his position. He'll run all day long. He he uses the ball well. He can he can cover back and he can you know he he can he can defend to it to the level he's, he needs to defend. Sure. The issue we have is that you know when when there's him on one side and Jordi Alba on the other, it doesn't work because you can't have two fullbacks who who play that way. I, I think Sergio Roberto's more than adequate for us to be our starting right back if we get a solid left back in or if Dest just plays there forever. I think you could argue it probably wastes Dest a little bit. And the answer would be, yeah. in all honesty, to buy a better left back, 
have that left back and Dest start and Sergio Roberto becomes the best utility player in world football. Stick him in centre midfield if you need him. Stick him at fullback if you need him. Stick him in goal if you need sure. him. He'd probably, he'd probably give you seven out of ten. Um, sure. You, you know, so I think I think the, the the Roberto one is a very different conversation to the PK one. The sorry, PK has been great to the Busquets one or the Alba one. <laughs> um, I think I think I think the right the, the right side does become an interesting conversation with that though, because again, going back to the Jordi Alba one, if Sergio Roberto is on the right side because Jordi Alba's on the left then the right side has to play fundamentally differently than if we had a decent left back. And that, that, sure. so that, that's where I think the problem is. I think you have to work you have to work your way from the left side back to what's happening on the right before you can start addressing the right, which I know is not the most snappy answer and it's not the quick fix that people might want, but that's the football and reality of where we are. The best thing our right-hand side could do with the way our left-hand side's playing is stay defensive, and that's not good enough. It isolates Messi, and it means Sergio Roberto looks worse than he is. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, if I were, you know, one of the tactical coaches for Barca right now, I would just tell us straight every time. I'd be like, Messi, go right, right, four times a game. You know, just go four times a game because so many times all he has to do is a quick cutback, and all of a sudden, just like in Top Gun, those guys fly right by, you know, <laughs> and all of a sudden you got that, that right side on the on yeah. the on, and, then look at, you know? and look at it as well. So let's just defend, let's defend Sergi Roberto a minute. Okay. If, you're, if you're Sergi Roberto, you're not a fullback, never have been, spent your entire youth career in La Masia as a centre midfielder, broke through into the first team as a centre midfielder. The club couldn't sign anyone, whether they tried to, um, and you end up playing fullback as no one else could. And then, all of it, and then you go behind Messi. Well, there's enough pressure anyway. Sure. And then you look up and... 95% of the time, the person that you're meant to be giving the ball to isn't there because he's stood next to De Jong because he's upset that he's not getting the, the ball enough. So you're now Sergio Roberto playing out of position with no one near you and you have to control an entire side of the pitch for the best team in the world. Well, one of the best teams in the world, certainly the biggest club in the world. Sure. I, I wouldn't want to do that job, would you? <laughs> Well, I'm, you know, give me the chance. I'll do it, you know, but I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. No, again, this is, this is part of the problem, right? We have talented players, right? And at all different levels with different speeds, different experience and so forth. And it's, we still haven't been able to find the best 11. And obviously we're going through that growing pains right now, right? That's, that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. I just think, you know, like, as we talked about it, you know, you know, as we talk about the positives of this game, it's obviously the second half when the youth came in with Pjanic was doing more stuff. We were having more crosses. Griezmann looked really great. Let's talk about his goal. You know, like for example, he was able to, to, you know, clinically finish that with a chip, you know, that to me is brilliant because if you are struggling with confidence, you're not trying to chip, <laughs> you yeah. know, like it's yeah. one of those things it's like you kind of overthink it and you almost had another opportunity for a second goal. So for me, again, as we always talk about, if Griezmann can finally click with Messi and they, they definitely had moments, especially in the Juventus match as well, that they're starting to find and like find that rhythm a little bit more. That's really going to go a long way because obviously we're not really finding consistently scoring anywhere else right now. We need yeah. Messi to score and we need Griezmann to score. But again, as I take the positives of the second half, it's because Busquets was out. You know, we had more movement in there with Pjanic, but yeah. then also with Trincao and Pedri coming in as well. Yeah. And every player looked better. Sergio Roberto looked brilliant, yeah. in that, looked brilliant in that second half. He played really well, recycled the ball really well, was always an outlet. Yeah. The Griezmann one's interesting because I would argue actually that it's not confidence that allowed Griezmann to do that. It's the fact that he didn't have to think about it. 
And yeah, that to me, okay. that to me is a positive because Griezmann, as we've always said, he's far too good to be playing how bad he is. Like yeah, he's yeah. better than that. And what I think what you saw is a classic case of a player doing what comes naturally. I think that's natural Griezmann. How many times have we seen him have maybe a two or three second window to decide what he wants to do? And he, yeah. he, it ends up on Jupiter because he's hit it so far or he trickles it, <laughs> trickles it into the goalkeeper's arms. And what you saw then is you've got half a second to make your mind up, do what comes naturally. And that that's what we need to get Griezmann doing is a couple of games where he's played in the right position. He does the right thing. Again, He's playing off the shoulder of the last defender. He's not stuck on the wing. He's not getting in someone yeah. else's way. Because that was classic striker off the shoulder of defender, run through, tip the ball, score. And that's Griezmann. And so that was positive. I think when Dest came on, he looked very good. I think we yeah. looked we, we looked very, very good in that second half. There, w- there won't be a... I don't see a time where we have as much of the ball and as many chances and we don't score ever again. In the next 10 yeah, years, yeah. we'll never have a second half like that. One of them will go in somewhere. What I would say at this point as well, and it's only because I think the last big pod we recorded together was Hitafe. When you said to me, why do you hate, why do you hate Hitafe so much? Team, you know, they're allowed to defend. We know what they are. Alaves sure. last night showed what Hitafe could and should be. 10 men behind the ball, if not 11. Defensive, solid, hard to break down worry less about having the ball and stopping someone else scoring. But what didn't they do? Commit assault. Yeah. <laughs> Rive players down, dive, yeah. time waste, abuse yeah. the ref. If, if Hitafe want to be a decent club, follow Alaves because you know what? I applaud what Alaves did yesterday. They were well organized. They were defensive. They ran, they tackled, they blocked. Fair play. But what they didn't do is try and end players' careers or elbow them in the face or rive their studs down or whatever. And I was thinking about this when I was watching the game. I was thinking about you, my friend. And I said, that that's why I, <laughs> that's why I hate Hitafe because why be Hitafe when you can be Alaves and, and get the same outcome? It's a good point. It's a good point. Now, going back to, like you said, the attacking. I mean, we had 25 total shots on goal. So again, we, you know, to me, it's like we're, we're getting closer, right? We're mm-hmm. having those opportunities. And like I said, with Griezmann just free-flowing more, he wasn't thinking. Obviously, he had another opportunity where the goal was called off because of offsides. But yeah. it's kind of one of those things. It's when you see the ball hit the back of the net, it's a visual, you know? And maybe that's just what he needed. But again, the finish was clinical. I mean, mm-hmm. I love a chip goal because I was never able to do that. I could never have the confidence or the huevos to do that in a game. I just could <laughs> not do that. I was always trying to go around the goalie or do something. I could never chip a goal. And when I did, it was only in scrimmages, you know, because obviously <laughs> there's nothing to lose, you know? So yeah. every time I see a chip goal, I always love it. And especially just how smooth Griezmann did it. I mean, it was just mm. right over the shoulder where the keeper had no shot and a great, great play. Yeah. I have two last points I want to finish off our conversation with. Mm-hmm. The first thing is the double pivot. Now, yeah. we talked about it a little bit before, but again, I still can't get over why the double pivot is so troubling for us right now on defense. I'm just, I am just want to focus on the defense because I think, you know, if we're not, you know, if we play like we did in the second half, we're going to win the majority of the games, but also we can't concede easy counterattacking goals where they come right down the middle on us, you know? And when I think of the double pivot, if we want to talk NFL, I kind of think of the free safety where everything's in front mm-hmm. of you. You have half the field, you're working yep. in conjunction with your partner, you have less space. So why do you think, you know, why are, it's bit, you know, take away Busquets, but just, you know, Dijon as well, because defensively they're both not doing the best. Why do you think we're struggling so much with that double pivot right now? Let me answer a question with a question. Has the double pivot of De Jong and Pjanic conceded a goal yet? I'm going to say no. 
<laughs> Def- de- de- defense rests, Your Honor. <laughs> the defense rests. I'm, I'm being facetious a little, but yeah, you, yeah, said, yeah, you, you, you said take away the Busquets issue. You can't. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, that's true. The issue is why why do we struggle defensively when Busquets is playing in double pivot? Because he can't play that position. And no. in, in all honesty, it's clear he, he he doesn't have the mobility to cover the ground he needs to cover, which drags De Jong out of position or one of the centre halves, which leaves a gap which gets exploited. Yeah. And it you know, it yeah. sounds really it sounds really basic. And this is why I don't understand why Kuman's persistent with it unless and unless it's just to get enough evidence that he can drop one of the best players in our club's history is that with two mobile players in there, and I think with a trio of De Jong, Pjanic and Alenia, we've got three players more than good enough to play that. And I think we're fine. The issue is the double pivot when you have someone who isn't covering the ground, you're losing a man because it's too easy to break the line. Because, it, you know, if, again, if you, if you just think about it, if you were playing on a whiteboard in training mm-hmm. and putting the, putting the magnetic counters out, the most obvious channel in the world is between your, your double pivot and your centre half. So what's happening is Busquets isn't tracking men into that channel. So I think the double pivot with Busquets will be a problem for us. The, the double pivot with any of De Jong, Pjanic and um, Alenia, I'm confident that them players are more than good enough. And I I'm, I love the system. I just don't love Busquets in that system. Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, right with the Pjanic thing, I you know I didn't even think of the, the the defensive stat that they haven't allowed a goal. So again, maybe it's just that simple. You know, maybe it's just that simple. I mean, sometimes... It's the answer is just right in front of you, you know. With I mean, let, let, let's and... look at the class, let's look at the classical goals. You had one at the yeah, end. Yeah. We count that out. It's like again in American football, it's a touchdown in garbage time. Write it off. Sure, it sure, it sure, sure. You know, you've got eleven men up the field yeah, trying to score. Was, it is what it is. The first goal. Run. Yeah, you, you, so you've got that. You've got a penalty. Can't yeah. do anything about that. And then you've got the most glaring error from Busquets of all time. Yeah. How has he not tracked that run? Yeah. Terrifying. And then you've got obviously. So then you've got De Jong and Pjanic played Juventus. We, we can talk about whether it's the same Juventus it has been in the past. It doesn't matter. It's playing Juventus. And then you had them in the second half against a, a resilient team. So I, I think, I, I'm confident. I think the system works. I think I think the issue is yeah. players, not system. Sure, sure. I'm, again, we're going to see this week. You know, we have two games this week. It's going to be interesting, especially right before the international, another international mm. break. If Busquets gets benched, if Pjanic gets the full stride. And you know, the other thing too is, you know, obviously with Pjanic getting COVID, maybe he's not fully fit yet. And hopefully, these two games, he'll be able to play the full ninety and take over. Yeah, that. of course. Now, my my last my last point for you is corner kicks. Now, we argued last time about the height of the team and so forth, but again. The stat of 14 corner kicks in this match, Craig, and with, I would say, 0% that we're going to scare the other opponent in these opportunities is something that we should, you know, Kuman's coaching staff should definitely take a look at. Because, again, you said we're too short, right? And I obviously I agree with that. But at the same time, when you're defending corners, you have to be 100% sure on the defense. And who knows what's going to happen, especially after 14 opportunities, especially when we're struggling to find goals. And I asked you before we started recording, when was the last time we scored a corner kick <laughs> in play? I put it to Twitter. Someone wrote to me and said the Napoli game with long lay. But again, it's really hard to think of it. And these short corners or lack of setups, I think we're not utilizing these uh, opportunities to attack on goal because when you're struggling for goal, you got to use everything you can in your arsenal, right? And especially if you have 14 corner kicks, that is something you definitely have to take advantage of it. And I can't remember barely any where there were, you know, where you put the fear in Alaves at all because they know you're going to go short all day long. Yeah, it, it's it's strange, isn't it? And oh, where do you start with this? Because, <laughs> you know, you, you look at it and 
I, I don't want us to be a team who rely on set pieces because it's boring, but we are so yeah, weak. Yeah. We are so weak at them. It's, you know, I, I look at it and think sometimes I'd rather have, I'd rather have a throw in 30 yards up the pitch than, than a corner. <laughs> and I think, you know, the, the issue I think that we have is you put the ball in the box to who? So realistically, who can, you know, if we, if we look at the team that was started the first half yesterday, PK, Longley, Busquets, you've got three people that mm-hmm. can, head, can head a ball. So they, they just get doubled up on all the time. So yeah, you've got to defend it perfectly, but you're relying on six players plus a decent ball in there. It's not really going to happen. So then we, so then we go short. And what we do is someone goes short, we play it out, we play it to the corner of the D and then we've got a choice. Do we shoot? Well, you've got 10 players in front of you. Do we cross it in? Well, you've got the same problem. You've just changed the angle. Or do we try and pass our way through 10 bodies? So in some ways, the best thing that we could do is take the corner, play it short, kick it 80 yards back to the goalkeeper and start start, genuinely and start again would potentially improve our chances of scoring from that position. If you looked at it, you know, if you looked at it as again, lots of NFL references today, if you looked at it as a, as a drive, as opposed to a set play, Mm -hmm. could, could our answer be, let's go on a 10 player score. Let's go on a 10 play drive and try and get the touchdown as opposed to try and hail Mary it potentially. To me, it's just the mentality thing, you know, it's just searching for goal. Right. And you know, if I give you the opposite question, you know, when was the last time Real Madrid scored a corner? I mean, like last week, you know, those are the, and I'm just saying like, you know, when you are searching for goal, when, you know, as we've noted in Champions League, in our Champions League history, you know, the games never go as planned. It's always mucky. We're mm-hmm. all, the other team is going to play as defensively and as close to the line physically. So what are the ways that we're going to be able to exploit? Because we're just looking for a goal, the corner kick, right? The cor- and, and to kind of give you the, the Hail Mary reference, you know, I would say, yes, kind of, but at least it's a shorter distance, right? The probability, obviously, with our team being short, I get that. I totally get that. But at the same time, it's just the mentality of fighting, for that ball to get the goal to get these things because those are the things you know when i think about our champions league history especially with chelsea you know playing over there how nothing went right in our passing and we had one shot you know what i'm saying and those are the type of things that you have to take away because in champions league if that's the ultimate glory that we want to you know go for you have to take advantage of those opportunities and i just you know to me with 14 corner kicks with almost zero danger in all of them, essentially. Yeah. That to me is a little bit much, especially it in the is. second half when you were fighting, you know? It is, but I do think I do think it's problematic of a, sorry, emblematic of a different problem, which is, you know, if we look back through a lot of our history, corners have never formed a great part of what we've done. I mean, let's look at big headed goals. You're talking Matteo in the Classico, great mm-hmm. goal. You're talking Puyol in the 6-2, great goal. Okay. But I mean, other than other than that, in terms of big, important goals from corners, there's not many. And Busquets got Busquets got one against Bill Bow, which was a really good goal. But I don't think it really mattered. Was that Copa del Rey stages Copa del Rey semi final? Could be Copa del Rey, sure. Oh, but the, so I think you know, it, it, I don't think it's that. I think the issue that we, I think the issue that we have, it, I don't think it's that we need to be better at corners is that the issues that we had, we never cared about corners when we were winning games without them. <laughs> so I think if we, I know if we, that, I know if, that. If, if we were winning, if we're winning games, we back back to like, Oh, well, we, you know, we, it doesn't matter. And I think that that's where we are. I think we're, we're, we're looking, we're looking in the weeds for answers and ultimately we should be creating more chances in play and corners shouldn't, shouldn't be an issue. We're not, 
you know, we're not yeah. Stoke, we're not Burnley, we're not Stoke. We can. I we, get it. I get it. I get it. So I, get it. I, I, I get your point. I just think when 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 we're at our best, we're not we're not sticking corners in at the back post. What we need to do is improve in, improve our play and have more more shots on target. That's true. That's true. I'm just I just want to adapt to have different ways of scoring because that's going to teach us how in desperation times that we can score and it's not going to be just the easy or this the way that we always try to score you know the tiki taka flare football that we want to go through the box you know mm-hmm. i always just i just always equate it to the toughest matches that we're going to see in april and may basically that's how i just look at it that way because yes these 14 corners and zero opportunities right now in october against Alaves, sure it's not fatal but when we have a home and away in a quarterfinal match these are the opportunities that you can't let go slip away. So that, that's all I'm saying. I'm just, you know, these different ideas that I want to, you know, mm. we could, it's not only, you know, obviously I love to see the playmaking that we've had, you know, I want to see that. That's why I'm a Barca fan, but at the same time, you got to adapt as well. To I, have I, other, I, I know, do think we all. definitely, we, going back to your point, we do definitely need a different answer off the bench than we've got. We do have a bench that is effectively players who are slightly worse than the players on the pitch doing exactly the same thing. And I think that that's where I would be looking to more would be not how can we get out of set pieces and whatnot. Going back to your point is what do we have on the bench that if we're 65, 70 minutes into a game that is really wearing us down, who do we bring on? We had a chat before about Zlatan, do you remember? And we said, you know, he, yeah. he was signing the idea that he'd be a different option. You know, who who is going to come off the bench for us? And that would be a slight worry for me is that, I adore the guy as a man and I adore the fact he's got himself in this position. But when we're bringing off, we're bringing on Martin Brathwaite to be <laughs> our answer, it's not good enough. And that's no disrespect to him. But, you know, that that's where, to answer your question, I don't think it's getting better at corners. I think it's having someone come off the bench and they don't have to be a hundred million pound signing. They don't have to be anything. They just need to be a better answer than what we've got. That, that's my thought is that, again, we need to find another out-and-out striker that can go and pick open a defense. Yeah, that's a good point. Again, there's some bright spots where I would say, you know, there's definitely optimism going forward. Mm-hmm. I would Again, I just want to, as we would say in Spanish, apostar con la juventud. I want to bet yep. on the youth. You know, that's yep. that's just I want, I want to see more of that because that gets me excited right now. You know, I don't want to see... 80% procession with no attack, you know, and the young guys are dumb. They want to score. Right. And so that's going to bring more creativity and excitement to what we're seeing right now. So this week we have two matches. Uh, Barcelona's playing Kiev in champions league. That's at the camp. No. And then on Saturday against Batiste. Big week. Correct. Big week. Barca Talk is a production of Sounded Media with social media and promotion by Two Point Go and part of the Blogranogram Podcast Network. Until next time, Forza Barca. Sports Social Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.